Hello, and welcome to Fully Puffed. I'm one of your co-hosts, Catherine, and I'm joined today by Grace, one of the other co-hosts and creators. Hi, everybody. And Bo's not joining us today, but she'll be back next week. Right. So today we'll be discussing episode 12 of season one, Double Date. I'm so excited to talk about this episode. I am too. I was saying just before we started recording that this is one of my comfort episodes. Like when I'm I'm not feeling great or when I'm cleaning my house and I want a Gilmore Girls episode to be on in the background, Double Date for me is a really solid choice because it's charming and it has so much of the stuff we love about Gilmore Girls, like the funny character moments, the great getting ready stuff, just relationship drama, some really cute Lorelai Luke moments, but it's also not too high stakes or really painful emotionally. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Right. And like, it's kind of weird because last week we were talking about how that last episode's kind of boring, even though so much happens. And it's crazy because this episode, not much happens, but it feels like so much more is going on. No, totally agreed. It's like very low stakes, no real events. The only thing that like matters for the rest of the plot of the show is that Suki and Jackson finally like get together, get together, but it's so much more enjoyable. Yeah. Yeah, I guess that's true. That is kind of a big thing, but it's fair. It's done in such a quiet way, you know? Yes, exactly. And I think that's why it works. So we're going to start as we always do with an episode summary. So it's been a few weeks since the last episode, not of our podcast, but of Gilmore Girls, which ended with Suki asking Jackson out on a date. We find out that since Suki never followed up with any specifics on their plans, and neither did Jackson, the status of their potential relationship is in limbo, and Jackson and Suki are now super awkward around each other. Lorelai persuades Suki to call Jackson and ask him out for this coming Sunday, and when it turns out that Jackson's cousin Rune is staying with him, Suki suggests a double date with Rune and Lorelai rather than rescheduling. Lorelai, who hates blind dates, doesn't want to go, but out of love for Suki, she eventually agrees. Meanwhile, Lane, who has mentioned finding Dean's best friend Todd cute in an earlier episode of the show, asks Rory to ask Dean to set her up with Todd. Lane also suggests a double date because she thinks that'll be less awkward. And while Rory, like Lorelai, is reluctant about the double date idea, she agrees. When Rory goes to Dean and asks him about the setup and double date, he's also hesitant, but he explains that it's because he doesn't really know what kind of girl Todd likes, and as we'll find out later, Todd is kind of a dud, and he eventually says yes. The result is that both pairs, Suki and Jackson and Lorelai and Rune, and then Lane and Todd and Rory and Dean, both have double dates scheduled for that coming Sunday night. Sunday rolls around, and Lorelai and Rory are helping Suki and Lane both get ready for their dates. We learn that because Lane knows Mrs. Kim wouldn't let her go out with Todd, she's lied and told her mom that she and Rory are going to the movies. Rory wonders what to tell Lorelai, because she knows Lorelai wouldn't want to lie to Mrs. Kim, but Rory also doesn't want to lie to her mom. In the end, they decide to tell Lorelai a half-truth, that they're going to the movies with Dean. Just after that, Jackson and Rune show up, and when Jackson and Suki see each other, they're both really adorably nervous. Rune, however, lets Jackson know that he is not excited about being set up with Lorelai, which Suki and Lorelai overhear, because he doesn't think she's physically attractive. They head out to a fancy restaurant where Suki is too nervous to talk to Jackson. Lorelai salvages the date by having them leave the restaurant and head to Luke's, 
And when Rune demands that Jackson ditch the date and go bowling with him, Suki finally works up the courage to ask Jackson to stay. Jackson, clearly delighted, agrees, tells Rune to beat it, and their real date starts. Lorelai sits at the counter, playing cards with Luke, and they flirt and talk about how nice the early stages of a relationship are. He's about to ask her out when Mrs. Kim bursts in. She's been unable to reach Lane and demands to know where she and Rory are. Lorelai tells Mrs. Kim that the pair are at the movies with Dean, which she thinks is the truth, and leaves to help Mrs. Kim track them down. Meanwhile, Lane and Todd and Rory and Dean are at the movies. Lane discovers that Todd is a total dud. She sours on him pretty quickly, but Todd is really into her, and he's trying to persuade her to stay out and get ice cream when Mrs. Kim and Lorelai arrive. Mrs. Kim starts screaming at Lane and grounds her indefinitely. Lorelai tells Rory that she understands why she lied, but that in order for the whole trust thing between them to work, Rory has to be truthful. A few days later, Lorelai shows up at Kim's Antiques to have a talk with Mrs. Kim about Lane. Lorelai tells Mrs. Kim that her parents also kept a really tight leash on her, and she wonders if things would have turned out differently if they'd listened more and been a little less strict. They both agree that they don't want Lane or Rory to turn out like Lorelai, and they both want them to be safe. After the talk, Mrs. Kim relaxes the terms of Lane's grounding. She's still grounded, but she's allowed to go as far as the yard. Lorelai goes to Luke's, where he almost follows through on asking her out, but can't quite work up the courage. Though in the end, he kind of does by suggesting that they should, quote, do it again sometime, that is, playing cards and hanging out. The episode ends with Luke walking away and Lorelai watching him, clearly thinking about him and the potential for romantic possibilities. Yay! Yay! (laughs) So as you can see, it's not an episode with super high stakes, as we said, but it's a really, really fun one. Yeah, it's super cute. I had so much fun watching it. I was so excited to talk about it. So, And as you'll find out later, we're big fans of the dynamic that Rune introduces into the show. Evo is also a Rune apologist. I wanted to mention that too, (laughs) just to make sure you guys know that about her. And don't worry. (laughs) Rune comes back, so she she let us know that she's pumped to talk about him when he returns to the show. <laughs> yeah, do you have any exciting director, producer, writer stuff for us? Yes. So, well, kind of. So I'm more excited about the director's wife than the director himself. But yeah, we'll start with, it was written by Amy Sherman Palladino, which I think you can kind of tell, like, it's got that pure Gilmore Girls vibe. Lots of really fun pop culture references, and it's just got that ASP energy. Even though this is a low stakes episode, and I promise this is the last time I'll say low stakes episode, everything here really works. Yeah, but the director, okay, so the director directed one other episode of Gilmore Girls that we haven't gotten to yet. It's the P.S. I Love, <laughs> which will be fun to, to like say the title of that when we get to recording. <laughs> I really like that episode, though. That's one of my yeah. favorites season yeah yeah me too and then he won an online film and television award for best director in a comedy series in 2002 for his work on gilmore girls so i don't know if it was that one or this one or both good for him that's a 2002 thing like an online (laughs) film and television award (laughs) Uh, but he also directed episodes of a number of wb shows like everwood and oh popular did you ever watch that? No, but I remember seeing commercials for it. It was so soapy. It was like really, really, really soapy high school. 
Classic WB then. Yeah, classic WB. But he also directed two episodes of Arrested Development, which I thought was kind of fun. But okay, so he's married to Melissa Rosenberg, who is a head writer on Dexter. She is the creator of Netflix's Jessica Jones. And I guess she wrote one of the Twilight movies, but I don't care about that. So I did not check which one. Catherine, that's so rude to those of us who watch the Twilight movies when they come on TV in the background of our work sometimes. I'm so sorry. I am Um, kidding, but I do do that. The fun thing, in my opinion, about Melissa Rosenberg is that she is an alum, alumnus, alumni. Honestly, we both are almost finished our degrees, our PhDs in English, and I am not sure. She was. She went to. She attended the famous slash infamous Bennington College, which is where Brett Easton Ellis went and Donna Tartt, and it's like the kind of the birthplace of the dark academia aesthetic. And she actually graduated in the same class as both of them. So yeah, that's a really long tangent about no. Lev L. Spiro's wife. We love a guy who's married to a more powerful woman, just like oh, yeah. the Sherman Palladinos. So. Exactly. We love we love that dynamic on Gilmore Girls, and that will be Lorelai's dynamic on Gilmore Girls eventually. So, so going into the episode, I love this cold open. It's really fun. I would say it's one of my top five favorites in the show. We have Lorelai and Rory's morning routine, which is set to music. I looked up the song, and it's an XTC song. And Catherine, you pointed out that XTC is also the band they're listening to when Lane comes over during the famous toenail painting scene in the, I believe, is it the second episode? Yeah, it is the second. Yeah, yeah, they're listening to the man who murdered love and that one, and then this one I forget what it's called, but it's the I've been yeah. for the weekend. Yeah, <laughs> so good. It's a great song. I need to download a ton of XTC songs because every time I hear them in Gilmore Girls, I really enjoy them. I know. I actually started listening to them because of Gilmore Girls. They're just like fun and poppy 90s, like indie kind of alternative. Yeah, I like it. I was always wondered, like, why is this the intro to this episode? It seems very random. And I thought about it a little bit while I was thinking through this episode and what we were going to talk about. I think if I had to give an answer, like why we get this sort of fun musical intro is because maybe last episode was so serious and dry that this is signaling that this is going to be a different kind of episode and that we should sort of have different tonal expectations for this one. Yeah, I like that. I like that read. Because otherwise it makes no sense to me, except for the fact that they take some interesting stylistic risks during season one. Though I will say that there's a season two episode that has a very similar, not cold open, but very similar. I think it's second scene. It's the one where Lorelai and Rory's house gets termites and they have Kesara, Doris Day's version playing. And it ends, unlike this one, which ends with like the cute pop tart bite and them going off. It ends with Lorelai stepping through the floor of the porch, setting up a very different tone for the episode. I would have bet money that that was a cold open but you're right it's not it's the fall it's following the because i i always list that as one of my favorite cold opens and then i think in my most recent watch i realized it is not in fact a cold open and that makes it very weird yeah we'll talk about that when we get to it (laughs) so this is not a one-off thing that they do it's interesting that the other one has a bit of a it has similarly light tone but then it sets up a bit of a darker higher stakes episode But I think it's really fun and it's a great creative risk that for me pays off. Yeah. I have maybe a hot take. Yeah. Puppets are never as good as you think they're going to be. Am I right or am I crazy? Okay. I thought about this. I am a fan of (laughs) puppets. Let me just start by saying this. 
I think though, I agree with you that <laughs> are never as good as you think they're going to be. And I have a different theory about why. I this before in my own private life, but I think Pop-Tarts are too small. Like, because you're yeah. finished with Pop-Tart in like two bites and then you have another Pop-Tart and you're like, okay, I guess I ate the whole, you know, both of them. And then that's done in two bites. I think if Pop-Tarts were bigger, like the size of a, a book or something. Or, <laughs> we're back to eating books. Right back to eating books, our, our conversation last week. I think if a Pop-Tart were the size of a book, it would be much more satisfying. Yeah. yeah. I know they're already very densely caloric, but I would take a couple extra calories to eat a larger Pop-Tart. I don't know. The thing that always would piss me off, because I haven't had a Pop-Tart in, I don't even know, I can't remember, but Alfred and I would buy them sometimes, and I'd look at it, and it's like a serving is one. Yes, one Pop-Tart. What the hell? They put them in packages of two. It's very disappointing. I was a toaster strudel fan as a child, more than Pop-Tarts. I feel like icing them was always really difficult for me. Yeah. Like in the commercial, they would show the kid putting on icing like in a really cute way. And it always yeah. looked good. And I would just like splurt it out. And I'd be like, oh, I'm like, oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> so yeah, I, for me, this is a good scene. Yeah, it is. It is great. And then, and then we move into a favorite scene for both of us, Lane and Rory hanging out at Lorelai and Rory's house, going through Lane's recent CD acquisitions while Lorelai studies or tries to study in the kitchen and she keeps coming in and interrupting their talk. (laughs) That's relatable to me. I'm that person. I want to mention that I looked up. So there's a line, Lorelai comes in in one of her many interruptions and she's like, who are you listening to? And she and Rory have the following exchange. Rory's like, Claudine Langer. And Lorelai says, the chick who shot the skier? And I always, and Rory's like, I guess, I always assumed that was like a joke or basically like a different name, like a misunderstanding of a name. I looked it up and I want to make sure I have the page. Claudine Langer was a French singer who fatally shot her boyfriend, Olympic skier Vladimir Spider Savage, with a 22-inch caliber pistol in 1976 and only spent 30 days in jail for it. So it is the chick that shot the skier. Yeah. I always thought that was a joke, too, and had never actually looked it up. And I, too, discovered (laughs) she did. It's funny what things from Gilmore Girls you look up. Like, there's references that I've heard and immediately looked up. And that one, I was just like, I'll let that live as a mystery in my mind. But it's correct. Like, yeah, we got to the bottom of it. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, but one thing that's kind of funny, I would have until this episode put money on it being because of the way Rory pronounces her name. She was Claudine Langer. I for real thought it was Danger. I did too. That's actually what I looked up first. And it was like, and it didn't come up to anything. And I Googled the chick who shot the skier. (laughs) Claudine Langer came up and I was like, oh, okay. I guess I was hearing it wrong this entire time. Yeah, and it, but it made sense, like, danger, and then she's, yeah. like, the chick who shot the skier. I just assumed that Lorelai heard danger, and... Oh, yeah. I don't know. Maybe Rory's French pronunciation just sucks. No, it's good. It's, okay. It's really good. But, yeah, this is just, like, such a great, cozy, hanging out scene. Oh, it's the scene where Lane approaches Rory to ask her to set her up with Todd. I'm sympathetic to Rory here where she's like, oh, I don't really want to set you up just because it's awkward. What if things don't go well? And Rory's so close with Lane and she wants the best for Lane. And it's like, 
she doesn't want want to put Lane in an awkward situation if Todd turns out to suck or like be mean. Yeah. But Lane really wants to go out with him. Yeah, I'm not pro setting people up. So I fully support Rory. And then later Dean is one of the few times where I'm pro, I'm team Dean. <laughs> For posterity. We want to, I, I'm glad we have that on the record. <laughs> team Dean. Don't, um, just don't mess with a good thing. Like, I don't know. Yeah, and I totally empathize with Rory here. (laughs) And then in the next scene, we get Lorelai at work at the Independence Inn. She's supposed to be doing her actual work, but she's still studying for her business school test. And after a bit of banter with Michelle, she goes into the kitchen and hang out with Suki. Jackson comes in and it's really awkward. And that's when we learn, as we referenced in the summary, that despite asking him out a couple weeks ago, Suki was kind of too scared to narrow down exact plans because she was like, a date makes it real, like an actual specific date and time, and he could actually refuse that. And while, of course, it's nonsensical logic, I do kind of get that. Yeah, it's so cute and relatable, and I just love Jackson and Suki. <laughs> They're adorable. And Lorelai is a really good friend here and throughout this episode, and she's like, Suki, you're being nuts. You have to actually call him and ask him out. And... <laughs> She so so Suki makes a call and leaves a message on his on his cell phone answering machine. Yes. Uh oh yeah, this morning I was watching this super early and I was like, man, those pop darts look good. And then Jackson brought in the carrots. I was like, man, those carrots look good. And I was like, okay, I think I'm hungry. It's like I probably need to eat breakfast. I don't know how good those carrots look. They're so pretty. Their tops are I don't know, all the produce on Gilmore Girls actually always looks really good. It does look really good. And like I've seen people complain that the kitchen doesn't look like a real working restaurant kitchen. Like, guys, of course it doesn't. It's a television show. <laughs> and like a restaurant kitchen is way too chaotic to actually film. But like the way they have it set up is so appetizing always. Like bountiful fresh produce. Yeah delicious like dishes and pastries everywhere so yeah I, it always makes me hungry too I love it <laughs> oh one thing I wanted to point out that we didn't talk about last week was yeah. I'm just curious did you notice the hideous like Chilton kerchiefs that girls were wearing at I've, parents day I've noticed them in other episodes unfortunately they do recur so I know exactly oh. what you're talking about even though I did not notice them last episode specifically. Gilmore Girls loves a kerchief. I probably wore those things, I don't know, till probably 2006. Oh my God. Seven. They're not a good look. I don't know. They haven't aged well. Although, okay. My point though is that Suki looks adorable. She she looks adorable. But I think it's kind of funny that she's wearing one. Like she has an excuse to wear one being a chef. Yeah. But her, so like to keep her hair back, right? But then she's got these full curly pigtails. It's completely ornamental. The kerchief. Like, yeah, it's a completely ornamental one. Chefs still wear them on Chopped. I was like a Chopped junkie for a while. And like the male chefs will always be like dabbing at their face with a kerchief. Yeah. But no, not not Suki. Suki doesn't sweat in the kitchen. (laughs) Yeah, that drives me crazy. Like if I watch a YouTube video or something of someone make a woman making food and she has like long flowing hair and she's cooking. I'm like, no, no. It's gross. <laughs> Nasty. We'll talk about cell phones yeah. later, but I did think it was funny this like, why do people buy cell phones? Me too. Yeah, Suki's like, I can't reach Jackson or something. And uh and Laura's like, well, that's what cell phones are for. Or no, he's out. He's not at home. Right. 
And Suki's like, I thought cell phones were so that if you're lost in the woods and there's a psycho on the loose, you can call for help. That is what cell phones are for. That's why my parents, I'm not kidding, got me my first cell phone when I was like in middle school because they're like, well, if you're kidnapped, you can use the phone to call us. And I remember always being like, well, if I were kidnapped, wouldn't my kid ever take the phone? I wanted a cell phone, so I didn't say anything. All right, sure. Yeah, that's fine. But yeah, she calls Jackson and leaves a message and presumably they're they're going to have their date. We then cut to Rory on a bench reading the unabridged journals of Sylvia Plath, which I bought and I I liked Sylvia Plath, but I I'm so I don't know if it was just because of this show, but I remember being like excited that I got the same book that Rory had. Oh, well, you had the same like edition? Uh-huh. Oh, that's awesome. I would be excited. Yeah. Oh, I meant to bring it in actually with my Fugazi shirt to be like, oh, it's okay. You had said before that, because we were we had talked a couple episodes before about how like Dean is the male presence intruding on female genius, which seems particularly relevant there in this scene with like, Sylvia Plath. And then we get Dean, Dean moving in. But you had mentioned that you think Dean kind of has like Ted Hughes vibes, which I agree with. Yeah. Okay. I was kind of joking, but I was like... The thing is, especially in the journal, she talks about him being like hyper masculine and like brutish and like imposing. I mean, she talks like about his BO and stuff. Ew. But like she likes it. Um, you Ew. know, like she likes how he smells when he's been like, you know, I don't know. Yeah, I thought that was funny. Ted Hughes, problematic though he was, also an amazing writer and poet and translator. And so like you know, I don't want to liken Dean too much to him. But. The comparison ends, I think, with the physicality and like the annoyance yeah. and being less talented than, yeah. than the woman. Like, I mean, Ted Hughes is very good, but I think he is less talented than Sylvia Plath. And Dean can't read. So, yeah. And it's like the source of their, of Sylvia Plath and Ted Hughes's like rivalry was him feeling like overshadowed by his more successful, more intelligent wife. Yes, and we'll see so. we'll see how Dean feels about Rory's successes and trying to get into Harvard stuff later. Mm-hmm. So yeah, this is also the scene where okay, so Dean and Rory like start kissing and Rory tries to pull away and get Dean to like talk to her about the setup. And Dean just like wants to keep kissing. I just want to mention that Dean loves kissing more than anyone I have ever met in my entire life. <laughs> like making out like he just Dean loves to kiss. And it is very odd to me. It supposes anything weird. It's just funny, like kissing. Yeah, it, it's kind of funny, like because they were teenagers, or like how old were they? We we looked this up. They're like nineteen, yeah. maybe. I think they're like nineteen. Maybe he's like a year older or something. I actually don't know. So it's like I kind of prefer this, oh, yeah, new, like Gossip Girl or something. It's so much. I think it's so much more realistic too. Yeah, like this is really what you did in high school. You just kissed for hours yeah. but so yeah. ironically it's a very realistic representation yeah but, but like it's also like, on screen like they kiss so much I know and they like kiss so weird it's like yeah like you said not making out but it's just like because <laughs> it's not gonna escalate on screen but so it's just like kissing it's very <laughs> uncomfortable it's hard to describe like but if you see it you're like yeah that's that's a, a correct description of what they're yeah doing. it's yeah, yeah, and Rory brings up the double date. Dean is not into it. I'm with you, Dean. 
I feel like this is relatable too, because like Rory's reaction is like, what is he not going to think? She, do you not think she's pretty enough for him? And I love like when you're so protective of your friends and you're like, she's so pretty. Like, yeah. you know, she's great. Like how dare he? And I, I think that feels very real. Yeah. Like who wouldn't want to go out with Lane? And it's clear that in retrospect, like Dean knows Todd kind of sucks and he's like, oh, I really don't want to do this. But like, he's almost being protective of his friend being like, yeah. oh, well, like he's not going to say that, but, but he's like, I don't think that he and Lane hit it off. <laughs> and so, so he, but he does eventually agree. So their date is set for that coming Sunday. And right. because Suki's day off is Sunday, that's why she and Jackson are going to go out on the same day. Right. Then we go to the Independence Inn where Lorelai is still studying, hilariously. And Suki bursts in and she tells Lorelai that Jackson called back and he said he would love to go out with her on Sunday, which, yay. However, he has his cousin staying with him for the weekend, which will turn into like a year. Instead of suggesting that they reschedule, Suki told Jackson that the two of them could double date with the cousin, who we later learn is Rune, and Lorelai. I do feel like this is relatable, that like, you're kind of worried it's an excuse and you really want to lock this down. So you're like, no, 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 we'll go out. We'll have a double date. Lorelai, understandably, is very reluctant, <laughs> but eventually she agrees. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, I've, I've also been the person who like has to go along because their friend is dating someone and I'm just, you're just like, okay. I don't know if I've ever been in that situation. I wanted to ask you I'm assuming you've been on a double date, especially when you just said that you had yes. been. More like almost an awkward setup in high school, like where you would like yeah. go and hang out. So it wasn't somebody I didn't know. It was like my friend wanted to go out with somebody and then like I was there with like somebody else that like, was like a friend. Do you know what yeah. I mean? I haven't been since I think I was like 17. I'm just curious if you've ever been on a good one because in my recollection, they're always oh, You're not going to hit it off with the person you're out with. Like that would be shocking. Yeah. yeah. I think it's different if you're already a couple, both of you. But yeah, it's just, it's super weird. Even still, I, as I'm like thinking back, I think it's just like a weird dynamic. It is. It's a weird dynamic. Yeah. I've been on, I've been on one that was really good, but it was Alfred's brother and my best friend. Yeah. Oh, that's cute. Though. That's different. <laughs> they yeah. got married, actually. Oh my God, really? Are they still yeah. together? Yeah. All right. So double dates can work. Evidently very well, but they have to be very specific circumstance-wise. Yeah. Also, I did want to mention one other thing I like about this scene, which is the following exchange. Suki says, you will not regret this. And Lorelai says, pick another phrase. And Suki says, you will not have to pay. <laughs> yes. Good. So the next scene is getting ready at Rory and Lorelai's house. Lorelai's helping Suki get ready for the date. And Rory is helping Lane, and it's so cute and cozy and fun. As I said before, it's one of my favorite getting ready scenes of the entire show. It just yeah. really works, and I love the parallelism. I mean, this feels almost too obvious to say, but like the episode title is Double Date. We have two double dates, we have two best friends on dates. One best friend is the person set up, one <laughs> best friend is doing the setting up. I love it. And I just love the parallel, like Rory and Lorelai helping their best friends get ready. I think that's really nice. Yeah. So do you want to talk about the fashion now or do you want to wait? I think it's important <laughs> progression of the episode. Can we talk about it briefly? Yeah, yeah. It's so good. I mean, there's so much going on. <laughs> I think Melissa McCarthy in Gilmore Girls and in general, but specifically Asuki is beautiful. I think oh, she's yeah. 
looked so cute. And I think she styled well, like 99.5% of the time. The 0.5% that I don't think she styled well is this look in this episode. Lorelai makes her look nuts. And <laughs> I think it's for a thematic reason, right? So she's wearing, like, she's her hair up in what to me is almost like a prom hairdo. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Has, or like a wedding hairdo. <laughs> yeah. And of course, she's going to look adorable at her actual wedding. Spoiler alert. She has, like, this very done up dress on and this like I don't like the pink sweater with it I think it's too plain she just looks very uncomfortable and I think it's clearly supposed to set up that later you know she's too nervous she's yeah. you know, she bound herself up really tightly and they're gonna go to a place that's too fancy and then she's gonna like take her hair down later in the episode and have fun literally but it's so weird to see Suki dressed up like this because it's so not her which is the point yeah we have kind of opposite takes though I kind of like her outfit before the pashmina and I don't like her hair but I kind of like the outfit although the sweater is a little odd I like the dress and then I hate Lane's outfit and you're like here I don't get it she has the cute little sparkly clips and like the what is it like leopard print or something it's It's like camo leopard print that's what I know I think I have to go back and take a second look at it because it didn't I thought she was cute but I always kind of think that Lane looks well, especially maybe not in some of the earlier outfits where they're really trying to make her look super young. But mm-hmm. I think she just looks like fun and cute here. And I like when she asks, like, how do I look? And Rory says, like, you're too good for him. I will say she doesn't look as cute as she does in other episodes of Gilmore Girls. I mean, she looks cute. I guess that's the thing. She's a, well, I mean, she isn't fully an adult, but Lane as a teen looks cute. But there, yeah, there's like a lot of weird, like red and orange happening in this episode with Suki's dress and then I don't understand Suki's dress also because I thought like I understood what it looked like and then when they're at Luke's there's like a big swath of her dress that's like blue floral so I don't get it but I think she looks cute Lorelai and Rory are very like to the side like their outfits are very yeah I don't know I mean Lorelai's wearing like a pink thing pink and white red maybe I don't know she looks cute but yeah, they both look cute. Rory's very understated in this episode, which I think is like probably pretty appropriate. Like it would be odd if you were set, like your friend was going on an exciting date and you yeah. were like really, really done up. But yeah, there's not much to write home about with their looks. I never liked the joke that they have here where Suki freaks out about being like, she's like, well, I'm a sexual harasser. Like Jackson, I'm his employer. I buy his wares. He has to go out with me. And Lorelai says, well, then you need false eyelashes if you're a sexual harasser. Because I was always like, eh. But I think that now in retrospect like she's responding appropriately because Suki is freaking out and being ridiculous and yeah. like, the rest of the scene is like Lorelai trying to show Suki that like she's has all these fears and they're completely overblown like this is gonna go well Jackson likes her and if it doesn't go well it's not the end of the world I kind of liked that joke but I see what you're saying I don't like the false eyelashes part of it I like Suki's freak out about like, that's, that's <laughs> the part I like too yeah the false eyelashes part I was just like Lorelai yeah. like realizing and annoying but I think that yeah. in, in retrospect it's just like yeah of course she makes a comment like that to show Suki how ridiculous she's being yeah cute that Suki's so nervous. Wow, their relationship is perfect. Amy Sherman, you know, clearly really likes writing them. So I wonder if that's why she took the lead on this episode. I love also Lorelai and Murray being supportive friends here. That's some of my favorite stuff in Gilmore Girls, like the whole show. And I think this is maybe one of the first times that we really see that come to the fore. Yeah. And then I like anytime Gilmore Girls makes a mention of like sharing clothes or sharing jewelry. I always think it's fun because that's so accurate. 
and I think that it really nails the fact that like a lot of friendship is this like these yeah. nice moments where you're just with each other and sharing things and just how the exchange of like material goods like that you know can be a really bonding thing yeah I just I want to put it out into the world though that I have a desire to wear sparkly like nice yeah. sparkly hair accessories and it's never gonna happen but they were supposed to be back like <laughs> I saw stuff about them being back and I was like, are they? Are they really? Are they though? <laughs> yeah. I had like two glasses of wine one night and actually got on like, yeah. I don't know where, probably Amazon. And I was going to fully going to buy sparkly butterfly clips. And I was like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to bring it back. And luckily I had the presence of mind to not. <laughs> Your conscience was like, Catherine, no. No, no, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. I think that was a really good choice. <laughs> so then Jackson and his cousin show up and we get our first introduction to Rune. Rune. Um, well, as we said before, like we're total Rune apologists. But I think in order to understand the episode, one needs to describe Rune. <laughs> he's like short, not crazy short, but he's short. And he has, he's just kind of like, a, like not a, he's not attractive. No offense. He has on this hat that my grandpa used to wear. Like, what? How would you describe that hat? Um. Okay. Alfred actually has a similar hat. I think I've always called them newsboy. Yeah, I was gonna say it's like a newsboy cap. Yes. Alfred though calls it a flat cap. Okay. Which I think is the real name. Yeah, and it's like it's in like a tweed pattern, like a gray tweed. He looks like he time traveled from. Dublin 1916. He does. He has he has a coat on that's very Dublin 1916. And this like scarf that's like tied really tight around his neck. He's like been hanging out with James Joyce. He has. He doesn't look like James Joyce and he doesn't look like Yates. No. He doesn't he doesn't look like that. He looks just like a dumpy guy. Because he's not he's not of the intelligentsia, you see. He looks like no, a working no. class Irish immigrant from 19. 19- yeah. 20th century. Yeah, he does actually look like he would be on a steamboat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All of this is to say he's not a catch, but Gilmore Girls often has people on who are like not conventionally attractive and are like cool and everybody likes them. It's just that that Rune has very high physical standards for his women. And he immediately looks at Lorelai. And it's funny, we, you know, they open the door and Jackson sees Suki and he's blown away. He clearly thinks she looks gorgeous. And he looks really cute too. I actually think he's very handsome in more of an unconventional way. And they're both really excited. And then Rune sees Lorelai and he's like, ugh. And he actually <laughs> pulls Jackson aside and is like, is that Lorelai? He's like, she's so tall. I thought it was her East German maid. And tell, says that she's big ears. And of course, Lorelai and Suki hear all of it. And Lorelai, she's just like, she's not, you know, she's not angry. She's just like, I can't believe I have to hang out with this guy all night. And the joke, of course, is supposed to be like, Lauren Graham is so insanely beautiful that it's yeah. funny that anyone would, re- would not be like so excited to be set up with her. But I think it works. <laughs> I swear I've seen that actor. Oh, okay, okay. That actor was on Buffy the Vampire Slayer. He played, what? and I think Angel, right? Was he the Irish guy? I want to say yes. We nailed it. You're thinking like the Irish kind of like supernaturally character. His character's name is Whistler. Yes. I thought he was on Angel, but I'm not seeing that on IMDb. But he was also 
Twin Peaks fans. He was in one episode of Twin Peaks The Return, the Showtime series, um, which I've watched probably five times. And I do not remember him, but I remember Alfred being like, that's Rune. <laughs> so I knew he was involved tangentially, but I don't remember recognizing him. He played Hank and I don't I don't know what that means. Even his IMDb profile picture looks like now he looks like a gangster from the early 20th century. This guy. He has a really early 20th century face and physique. Like, look yeah. him up. Google, like, Rune Gilmore Girls, and you'll know what we're talking about. Right. So then we cut to Lorelai, Suki Jackson, and Rune at Chez Fleur. Uh, Rune keeps, like, asking Lorelai mean questions and making comments about her physicality. And Lorelai is trying to ask him questions. Like, she's trying to ask him where he got his name. Like, what's the origin of Rune? She's like, where did Rune come from? And he's like... He was up from out of town. I thought Jackson told you that. <laughs> oh my god. I always empathize so much with Lorelai here because this my specific question always about Rune has been like, why is that his name? <laughs> Doesn't he say it's his dad's name? Dad's name. And Lorelai's like, well, where did he get it? Rune's like, I don't know. <laughs> character. He really is. Oh, uh, this the whole scene is super awkward. And oh, okay. You and I both noticed that the waiter was familiar. <laughs> Yes. I thought he was from Sex in the City. <laughs> you thought that he was from Gilmore Girls. You were right. Yay! I'm usually bad at this, so I'm excited. I actually thought he's either the guy on Sex in the City who dates Charlotte and is afraid of a mouse, or is he the guy who Suki accidentally goes on a date, the chef Suki accidentally goes on a date with, and that is... Yes. I didn't know that's where he was from. Every time I see him, I was like, he's got to be from something. I didn't think he had a big role, as big of a role as he ends up being, and like just in one episode. But I was like, he has to be like another waiter somewhere or something like that. But no, he is the chef that is apparently in love with Suki and like worked with her years ago and didn't have the courage to ask her out. And then he does. And she's, she's already, spoiler alert, married to Jackson. And he's cute and nice, but he has that kind of like, he's bobbing throughout the scene, like that kind of like bobbing energy, you yeah. know what I mean? Like excitable. Yeah. So he's trying to ask them what they want to order and Suki and Jackson are peppering him with questions because they're both restaurant slash produce people. Yeah, it's cute. <laughs> but Suki's so nervous that she, she can't say anything normal. And then the later scene, like she can't even talk to Jackson. She just talks at Lorelai. <laughs> also felt very relatable when you're like out with your friends and you're around the person you like and you're too nervous. So you kind of just engage your friends in conversation and ignore them. Yeah, but I think that's why I feel like the double date is a bad idea. Oh, yeah, it's terrible. Because like best case scenario, you want to hang out with your friend. Yes. And, and, the, and your dates hang out with each other. The best way for the double date to go down is how he actually goes down in this episode, which is like somebody leaves and yeah. person kind of like, like walks off and then the two people end up being together because there's yeah. no way a double date cannot be weird. Yeah. Before we move on to yes. to one of my favorite scenes, I do want to add though that the waiter, do you watch Community or did no. you watch? Okay. Yes. It's one of my very favorite shows of all time. So if community fans, he is also Cornelius Hawthorne. <laughs> so we then cut to the other double date, Lane and Todd and Rory and Dean, and they're all waiting in line in front of what I presume is the black and white and red movie theater. Yeah. So I had my own mystery here, like my own investigation that I did. So I've heard people say that Todd is the same guy that Luke hires to help him out with the diner in season four. And they kind of look alike-ish, and it's because, like, I think a lot of people associate the two of them because they both have the same sort of annoying energy, and yeah. we're in high school together. 
So I looked it up though. That guy is apparently named Brennan. And I checked and they're played by different actors and it turns out they do not look very much alike. But you said before we taped this that Todd is kind of a proto-Brennan. <laughs> yeah, I've seen that particular episode of Gilmore Girls. That's one of my most watched. Yeah. So I did not wonder if it was Brennan because I can picture that guy in my mind so perfectly. But I did think to myself like, oh, wow, this is proto-Brennan <laughs> because essentially like the, probably the most important part that they both don't know what bands are on their t-shirts. And I didn't even realize that until now, that that's <laughs> another connection between them and why people probably associate it. Who's on Brennan's shirt? Is it Metallica? It's either Metallica or I don't know why I thought Journey. Oh, uh, no, I don't think so, because they don't like Journey. I think it's Metallica. Well, it's it's a metal band, I think. Yeah. We'll look it up. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, Metallica makes more sense. But yeah, Todd's is Fugazi, which listeners... I'm wearing Fugazi shirt today. <laughs> Catherine looks really cute in her Fugazi shirt. I love it. I think it's implied here too that like part of the reason Lane is interested in him is not just because she thinks he's cute, but because she sees him around school in these like interesting band t-shirts. Like, oh, cool, you like the same music as me. It goes back to like, you know, we know Lane's a huge audiophile, but also she's going through her CDs in the early part of the episode. Like, you know, we, we really get that hammered down here. And then it turns out that Todd does not listen to any of these bands and he's wearing his older sister's shirt and he has no clue what band is on the shirt. <laughs> Actually, funny fact about Fugazi. I taught a class on American punk rock and listeners, if you're a fan of Fugazi, Ian Mackay did a like a zoom with our class and answered a bunch of questions and Fugazi never actually had any merch because they're very like anti-capitalist. So any Fugazi shirt that you see is fan made. <laughs> This one is definitely fan-made because it's Full House themed. (laughs) (laughs) It's the Full House font and color scheme, but with the members of Fugazi on it. But it's just kind of funny to me that like Lane probably would have known that too. I don't know. It almost makes it worse. Like his sister made that shirt or something. Like, I I don't know. It would show that you're like a real fan if you made your own Fugazi shirt. And then to find out he doesn't even know who they are. Oh, I see what you mean. I always was like, Lane should go out with his sister. <laughs> Where is she? <laughs> yeah. It's also or at least be friends with her. But I will say that it's it's definitely like such a teen. Because like, I was always like, it's kind of weird that he wears his sister's shirt. But I was like, a certain type of like emo adjacent boy would do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Or just, like, he said he, he's wearing it because he likes the picture. <laughs> yeah, cool picture. <laughs> oh my God. Oh, do you want to say the thing about the attack of the 50-foot woman? Oh, I- yeah. The movie that they're going to see is the attack of the 50-foot woman. So, <laughs> ruins current reality. <laughs> <laughs> so, we're back at the French restaurant. Things are still super awkward. They're so awkward, in fact, that Lorelai pulls Suki aside to be like, what the hell? Why are you just talking to me and not your date? And Suki tells Lorelai, this place is too fancy, my hair is too tight, this dress is all wrong, and that Jackson looks really good. And this is sort of where they transition, they decide to go to Luke's. It's such a cute friend moment. And I just love that Lorelai's like, yeah, I'll get you out of here. Like, we can, let's just do this. And I, it's a dynamic you would see Lorelai do with Rory, too. But I love yeah. seeing it in, like, a, a friendship with someone of the same age. And yeah. for all, like, all the ideas that, like, or the claims that Lorelai's immature, which she definitely is a lot... I love seeing like those same qualities, like good qualities come out in her friendships with appropriately aged people. Yeah. 
Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I guess we can talk about this more at the end with Mrs. Kim, but I just, I feel like this episode is such a good Lorelai as an adult episode. (laughs) And as we get into the show more, we'll get more and more of this. Yeah. Yeah, like I think that season one is peak Lorelai immature. Lorelai is the real teenager. Yeah, she's a great friend. She talks to Mrs. Kim in a way that like, with mutual respect and she has good mom moments, like Lorelai's doing yeah. really well. <laughs> you were, is this where Rude is cutting the heads off the butter sculpture swans? Wait, what? He cuts the heads. Oh my God, that's so funny, Catherine. He's sitting there and it's like he's whittling because, you know, he's a time traveler. And so what do you do but whittle? And he, is, he has these like butter sculptures of swans and he's chopping their heads off. But I don't know if it's this scene or if it's like an earlier restaurant scene. I think there's like three scenes at Schaeffler. But that's such a great character moment. You know, like those small things that say so much about who they are that aren't like dialogue, you know? Yeah. I love that. I'm so mad I missed that. So we then go back to the movies where Elaine is asking Todd what And he says what I think could possibly be the funniest answer you could give. I mean, truly. Like, I, I, I think this is it. I think the bar is here. Like, this, you could not come up with anything. He thinks for a second and he goes, Beethoven? <laughs> Beethoven? He's like, yeah, the movie with the talking dog. Oh, oh my, my God. God. And he's and- so, like, proud of his answer. He's not like, yeah, sarcastically or ironically Beethoven. He's bursting with pride in having (laughs) remembered that his favorite movie is Beethoven, which he clearly thinks is the best choice you could possibly have. And he goes on to rave about Beethoven. He's like, what does he say? Like when he's surfing or something like that? He's like, there's this one scene where he's on the skateboard or the surfboard. And he's, he's, and then he's like, I nearly spit out my drink. Oh my God. It's so funny. Have you seen Beethoven? No, but like, I'm, I've seen the posters. I saw it probably too many times as a kid, but it was one of those movies that like my parents and their friends would be hanging out and they would just put all the kids in a room. They're like, watch Beethoven. I those too. Like, of course they really, it's like, yeah, we would watch like the Sandlot. Oh um, yeah. <laughs> or just like literally any movie, like any, yeah. any, and it was a VCR tape too. It wasn't, <laughs> oh, yeah. of course. Oh, but this is where I start to become team Todd. I think he's so cute. <laughs> He has charm. Like, you can tell he's a nice guy. He's just, he's not bright. And no. I don't think that, and like, he's not an intellectual. Like, I mean, I think that there's just not a lot going on upstairs. No. But I kind of like the Mimbo, like the ma- man Bimbo character. Now, usually for that to work, the character has to be hot. Todd yes. is not hot. Todd <laughs> is not hot. I think, yeah, I am also a fan of the Mimbo and the Himbo. And. Oh. Um, but I like Mimbo. It's fun. That's but, it. It's not Mimbo, but... Can we make Mimbo happen? I love that. <laughs> I think it's better. But um, but yeah, Todd is not hot enough, I think, to technically be a Mimbo himbo, but he has the spirit. He also has kind of the spirit of a burnout. Yes. But, he talks about burnout. Yeah. But like at one point, I forget, Lane's asking him something and he's just like, whatever. <laughs> he has like a Spicoli from Fast Times of Ridgemont High. Got the long hair and a beanie. Yeah. yeah. There, there's a lot going on with Todd. I wish he showed up one more time. Like, yeah. you know I'm really a fan of Dean's friend who gets the hook arm. Oh, oh, yeah. What's his name? He's so oh, funny. Man. 
I should know that. We, we both should know this. Kyle, yeah, he's at Dean's bachelor party, and he is later when Rory and Dean start dating again. They like go to his apartment, and he's like, "Gotta check my traps," because girls, <laughs> girls love him now that he's the arm. Yeah, and he's like obsessed with Bob Dylan. He's like, he really spoke to me. <laughs> a lot of Bob Dylan when I was out at sea, and he's the huge Bob Dylan poster. He's a great character. He's amazing. Yeah, yeah. So your team, Todd. You make good points. I'm reluctantly team Todd. It's it's one of those things, though, that like, I totally understand why as a teenager, you'd be like, what the hell? But as an adult, like looking at him, I'm like, oh, he's just, he's just he's doing so his best. Crazy. Yeah, I think for Lane, like she was so excited to bond with a guy who had similar interests. Yeah. Because it's clear that like, there aren't a lot of guys who do. And yeah. that's all she wants in the show. And then it's like, oh, this is a disappointment. Luckily, though, she later will get to bond with a guy who has similar interests. Yes. Yay. So then we're back with Lorelai, Suki, Jackson, and Rune. They show up at Luke's and we both notice this. Okay, they walk in and Rune just immediately goes, ew. <laughs> the thing I love about Rune is like, he's judgmental about everything. Like he's not yeah. a character. You could easily see him being a character who's like, he wants to be in more of like a kind of like diner-y environment. Like he's a little, he's like, oh, this fancy stuff sucks. Like I want to be in a diner somewhere like that. <laughs> No, Rune thinks that's below him. Like, he's just not happy with anything. The only thing he wants to do, as we'll learn later, is go bowling, which is so funny. He's like, it's Sunday night. I want to go bowling. <laughs> Lorelai then goes to the counter to get some, which she says she's going to get menus. Of course, she never comes back. She ends up drinking coffee with Luke and hanging out over there with him because she recognizes as a good wing woman that, like, they need some time alone. And Rune then stands up and stages his little protest. He's Aww. like, I'm really bored. I don't want to eat here and I want to go. And he gives Jackson an ultimatum. He says, I want to leave and go bowling. and I want you to come with me. Oh, it's so sad. Suki looks like she's not going to say anything. And so Jackson's like, he keeps looking back at her and he's like, I guess I'll go. And then Suki stands up and she's like, no, stay. We haven't even started our date yet. And Jackson like, glow, he lights up and he's like, really? And she's like, yes. Oh. So then they just sit down and Rune storms out and he's like, fine. And you would think that's the last time you see Rude, but it isn't. You see him this season and the next season, <laughs> which I love. I know. I would take more Rune. Me too. I wish Rune was in every season. And I think Rune is a prototype of one of my favorite characters on the show, TJ. Oh. I, I think I'm one of the few TJ apologists, just like I'm one of the few Jason Styles apologists. No, I, I am. Love I love TJ. TJ is like Rune if Rune was fun. Like he, TJ loves everything. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. He's that he's like loud and kind of dim-witted, but like he's the funniest character on the show. I feel like I'm an escrow is one of my top favorite Gilmore Girls lines. I want to like get it on a shirt. Rune is in a lot of ways a proto-TJ. And I think the reason that Rune stops showing up is because TJ will later start showing up. That's a really good point. Yeah. Just as Todd is a proto-Brennan, so is <laughs> Rune a proto-TJ. Yeah. Yeah. And also Rune's the first introduction of Jackson's crazy family because all yeah. Jackson's family we later discover is very, they're a bunch of characters. So apparently we learn later everyone else in Jackson's family hates Rune. Yeah, right. <laughs> Even though they seem like Rune's themselves. Then Suki and Jackson are free to like, you know, have their amazing perfect first date and Lorelai's like, yeah, I'm obviously going to stay up here and hang out with you. And looks like it's pathetic that you're going to eat alone and you've been dumped and Lorelai's like, I'm not <laughs> And I'm with you. And then they start playing cards and it's nice. 
isn't Luke supposed to be making their burgers? He just starts playing cards. No, I think about that too. I'm like, come on. Does he actually give Lorelai food in this scene? No. She's like, make three cheeseburgers and I'll eat mine over here. And he's like, great, let me get out my cards. And I'm like, what? Maybe Caesar's in the back. He doesn't address it at all. They, they, you know, they just came from a restaurant where they didn't get food. And now they're here. He must be starving. I'm starving. (laughs) Catherine's like, you know know who wants to eat. You know who's hungry. It's me. Or me this morning. Yeah, but it's cute. The cards, it's very cute. And they're Um, watching Suki and Jackson. They start, like, reminiscing about, like, isn't it so nice when, you know, you're in that first early part of a relationship and, like, everything seems perfect and it's so exciting and... I think you're supposed to think that Lorelai is like kind of thinking about Max here, but starting to also think about Luke. Yeah. yeah. Possibility. Cause I always thought she was just thinking about Luke. And then I was like, no, she's probably thinking wistfully back on Max too. Yeah. And they're hitting it off so well that Luke is like, you know, we should. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, maybe sometime. And then Lorelai like looks at him, like she's aware of what he's about to ask, I think. Yeah. And then Mrs. Kim. Mrs. Kim. <laughs> She comes in so upset, so upset. Losing her mind. And in what's been a very peaceful episode, Mrs. Kim is an intrusion. Yeah, I feel bad for her. I do too. You know, it's yeah. The girls made a bad decision to not it's tell anyone what was they were really doing. And I think that like Lorelai thinks she knows what the actual truth is. Like Lorelai doesn't know they're out on a date. She's like, oh, yeah, like they're out seeing a movie with Dean. And Mrs. Kim's like, I didn't know about any of that. And yeah. so she's not enough about that part. And then so Lorelai, like, rushes out agreeing to help Mrs. Kim. So she leaves Luke behind. Yeah. Oh, wait, I want to – well, no, you give the like because you like that line about red vines. Oh, yeah. So Lorelai is, like, they're just at the movie theater. And Mrs. Kim's, like, freaking out because she thinks bad things could be happening at the movie theater. So Mrs. Kim says they could be doing anything, smoking or drinking or buying drugs. And Lorelai says – they're at the movies. They don't have drugs there. They don't even have the real red vibes. <laughs> <laughs> that's one of my favorite lines. I don't. That's knowing Amy Sherman Palladino wrote this episode makes a lot of things make sense to me. Yeah, everything works here. I think it really tells you something though about Mrs. Kim that she so doesn't know her own daughter. Lane is not out there buying drugs. No, it's Lane, and that's what I think. That's part of why Lorelai's talk with her at the end will work. Yeah. Yeah, because right. She, yeah, she can kind of talk to her about like, hey, Lane's not doing this stuff. And like clamping down on her even more kind of might have the opposite effect. Yeah. So Rory and Dean and Lane are then leaving the movies and we get the carryover from like Lorelai <laughs> and Kim rushing out. And right before this, Todd is like clearly really into Lane and Lane is not digging it. She just wants to go home. But Todd's trying to persuade her to stay out and get ice cream so they can get a freezy brain. Just <laughs> so, so cute. So enthusiastic in this moment. He's like, come on. Like, he, he's really into her. And then suddenly Mrs. Kim, as I said, and Lorelai appear. And Mrs. Kim is in, like, full Mrs. Kim freakout mode. Yeah. Even more than she was in the diner. She starts screaming at Lane, a little bit in Korean. And Lorelai's also mad that Rory didn't tell her what was going on. And I love this line. She says, bits of information were left out of the mom packets tonight. <laughs> like, they get a manila envelope. Yeah. And I will say that Todd says that Lorelai is a babe. Which is the self-esteem boost that Lorelai needs after <laughs> being insulted by Rune. Yes. 
<laughs> yeah, and then Rory explains that she lied to Lorelai because Lorelai wouldn't have to lie to Mrs. Kim. Lorelai's touched by that, and she says, you know, I understand why you did it, but in order for the whole trust thing between us to work, you do have to be honest. And Rory's like, yeah. And I she's- think Lorelai just handles this super well, you know? Yeah, absolutely. This might be an opportunity where someone could, like, you know, roll their eyes about Mrs. Kim being overprotective or make a snarky comment, but she respects Mrs. Kim as a mom and as a person. And I just like that she's not mad at Rory, but she's very clear that like, this wasn't okay. You know, she listens to Rory and she sets realistic expectations for her behavior. And I, I really am glad you pointed that out because I didn't even think of it in these terms, but the way she responds to Mrs. Kim is masterful. Cause you're right. She could have rolled her eyes or been like, you know, that's crazy. But she's like, yeah, yeah Mrs. Kim has different roles than I do. And yeah. we have to respect that. Yeah. And that I think is, is really good parenting. It's a really good way to approach this. Well, I think this is technically your intro, but I do want to mention this. So Rory, like in the next scene, climbs a tree to speak to Lane through the window. What's up with Rory able, like in the in season three, she's able to do this too. Like she climbs a tree to speak with Dean. Is Rory some sort of like weird, like athletic squirrel woman or something? How does she do this with such ease? I love it. I love like the tree climbing in Gilmore Girls. I was a tree climbing teen myself. See, maybe my comments come out of jealousy because I could never successfully climb a tree. Like oh, I really? could get up the trunk. Absolutely. It looks so easy on television. And yet, but I love this trope. And Lynn reveals that she's been grounded indefinitely. The words convent and Siberia were used several times and at least once as a combo. Oh, it's sad. But she does say that she's glad the date happened because if it did, she wouldn't have realized that Todd definitely wasn't the guy for her. Rory tells Lane that Todd really liked her. And Lane says that he called there and that Lane pretended to be her mom and forbade Todd to speak with her. That's so funny. Poor Todd. Oh, oh, okay. I have a theory. Yes. We have been talking about how Dean is like a proto-Jess. Yes. Because Dean initially has like cool music taste and literature knowledge, even yes. if it's the Beats and Hunter. Has Tom- I'm sorry, Hunter Thompson. Hunter Thompson, no middle initial here, baby. Like he has interests, but then he slowly starts to become more like a jock and like a I don't know, like a bro. Yes, yes. Is this where it begins? Is Todd the influence? Oh my God, that's such a good point. Or, you know, Lane says something like, I hope Todd's not upset or something. And Roy's like, oh, I'm sure he's fine. He and Dean went muffler shopping. And now I'm like, is this it? Dean says that, like, when Rory overhears at the movie theater that Todd's favorite movie is Beethoven, she's like, (laughs) Beethoven to Dean. Dean's like, we work on our cars together. Like, clearly, like, that's the only reason we're friends. So maybe Todd's influence is what dumbs Dean down. Maybe spending so much time around, like, car fumes is what dumbs me down to oh my god okay maybe that's the best answer yeah so cut to kim's antiques mrs kim is berating a customer who accidentally broke something and she's telling him like if you break it you buy it so lorelei comes in to talk to mrs kim about lane and to apologize for what happened and you know tell her that rory doesn't usually lie to her and mrs kim is like not that you know of (laughs) that was so funny lorelei's like well, um, <laughs> but they have this, I just think, really wonderful moment where Lorelai's not showing up to be like, your mothering is incorrect or anything. She's just sort of offering alternative viewpoints and telling Mrs. Kim that like Lane really is a good kid and, you know, maybe she shouldn't be so hard on her. And then also saying like, my parents 
were really hard on me and look what happened. Yeah, and I think so much of what can kind of be irksome about Lorelai sometimes is she's very self-righteous. Yeah. Um, and as yeah. a self-righteous person, it doesn't bother me that much, but I know it bothers other people. But here, she's totally the opposite of that. She goes in by saying that she really respects Mrs. Kim's parenting, and she thinks yeah. Lane's a great kid. And she just wants to actually say that like she thinks Mrs. Kim is doing such a good job with Lane that she maybe can lay off a little bit because she's been raised so well that she doesn't need to be overpleased like this. Yeah. And she offers her own example, which is that, you know, her parents tried to mold her into something and really were heavily surveilled her and it made her react in the opposite way. And Mrs. Kim's like, you blame your parents for you getting pregnant? And she's like, no, of course not. I think that if somebody had been there to listen to me and maybe behaved a little less harshly towards me, then things might have turned out to be different. And she's like, look, I know I don't want Rory to end up like me and you don't want Lane to end up like me. And Mrs. Kim's like, I definitely don't want Lane to end up like you. I think that might be the first thing we've agreed on. Yeah. And she says she just is here to throw her two cents in and that she thinks she's doing a great job with Lane. You know what I had never thought about before? The age difference between Lorelai and the parents of Rory's friends. Oh, wow. You're right. Would be sig- pretty significant. Pretty significant, yeah. Mrs. Kim is probably mid forties, late forties. Yeah. The only thing, though, is that we know that she only had sex once. <laughs> right. On so on when, she, on when she got married, she could have been yeah, she young. Could have been like 18, 19. Yeah, or maybe like twenty-two or something like that. So she'd still be pretty young. Yeah, but I never thought about how that would change the dynamic for. For Lorelai, like, not really being able to connect with the parents of Rory's. Such a good point. Like, she's just, Lorelai's essentially our age or a little older. Yeah. And going in and talking to, like, people who were much more established, not in their career, but they're just, they're they're older. Yeah. They, they waited longer before having kids. And in many ways, like, Lorelai represents the outcome of bad parenting to them because she's somebody who got pregnant really young. Right. Right. And we really see that in that episode where she goes to speak at the high school too yeah we'll get to moms we rarely get Lorelai and Mrs. Kim like extended moments but this one we do and it really works and as you really insightfully put it earlier in our episode this is a great episode for Lorelai and I think represents the Lorelai that we'll come to know in the show yes even if I can't support her outfit in this scene what do you hate about it it's not even power clashing. It's just clashing, clashing. <laughs> it's the orange scarf. Why? Why yeah. would you do that? It's so long. We'll talk about that in a moment with segments. Um, yeah, and then we just have one last scene, which is Lorelai and Rory walking to Luke's and hooray, Lorelai got an A- minus on her test. Yeah. What a great callback. I know. <laughs> earlier in the episode. And the annoying person behind her got a B plus, which is always very satisfying. I love that they gave her an A minus instead of an A. It feels much more realistic. Yeah. And then Lorelai tells Rory that Suki and Jackson have another date tonight, the third one this week. So obviously things have been going really well since they hit it off on that date. Of course they have because they're perfect for each other. Rory then gets a page from Lane telling her to call. <laughs> so she rushes out because you're not allowed to have phones in Luke's. She rushes out with the one of those giant old cell phones with the cover a brick oh i love it rory steps out of luke's calls lane and lane reveals that mrs kim has let her outside she can go as far as the kim's antique sign on the lawn cute it's clear that the talk with lorelei really resonated with mrs kim yeah 
for sure. I mean, she, you know, she still can't leave her front yard, but it's uh, it's so much more realistic than Mrs. Kim being like, you're right. Like she should be ungrounded. It's like, yeah, I listened to what Lorelai said about, you know, loosening up a little bit and yeah. respecting Lane, but also recognizing that she needs to be punished, which Lorelai said, yeah, like she does. And it's not giving up her own parenting values, but also like respecting Lane. So I think yeah. it's really you said it was a satisfying conclusion when we talked before, and I think I yeah. know what it is. And then Luke comes over to give Lorelai coffee, and Lorelai says she had a good time the night before. Luke says he did too. And that Lorelai rushed out of there before he had the chance to. And then <gasps> And so Lorelai's waiting, and he's like, kick your ass in poker. Uh, so he doesn't have the courage to really ask her, and Lorelai's like let down, and she's like, oh, yeah, okay. But then he redeems himself a little bit by saying maybe we could do it again sometime and Lorelai's like yeah we should and then the episode ends with Luke walking away and Lorelai looking at him clearly thinking and then it's a great cliffhanger because of what happens in the next yes. few episodes the next few episodes are really going to carry this plot line forward so yeah, yeah keep your keep your eye on this <laughs> we're, we're entering we're moving into some Luke stuff thank god <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Do you want to rate the episode before we do our segments? Okay. I think I'm just going to go full, like, it's a 10. It's a 10. I think I'm going to give it an 8.5. Um, you know, here's the thing. I love this episode. This is a real top one for me, especially in this season. But I will say that it lacks some of, like, the dramatic gravitas that makes me, that make oh, it yeah. like a, but I think as far as, like, an enjoyable episode, it's absolutely a 10. Just like in my comprehensive rating, because I've been rating, that's how I've just been trying to do my personal system, but I don't want to impose my personal system because I think this is in so many ways a 10. My personal system is how excited am I? That's <laughs> <laughs> a 10. It's a 10. Um, yeah, I think it's a well-deserved, for me, it's a well-deserved 8.5. And it's an episode I will always return to. Yeah. I'm trying to think like, what would a 10 be for me? Maybe it's this. <laughs> And just to make my rating system a little more clear, is something like the road trip to Harvard or like the season two finale. And like it's got everything. A lot of the episodes in season two are tens for me. A lot of the season four, end of season four episodes are tens for me. That kind of stuff that packs like a lot of fun and great dialogue and awesome town stuff with character development and like emotional impact and things like that. Yeah. I know. I think you're right. I think you're right. I'm not, you have not like disrupted my system. Okay. I'm, I think you're right. So I'll change it to like, keep it as a 10. I was thinking like a nine, five. <laughs> that feels realistic. How's that? Yeah. So my enthusiasm is still at a 10, but I do think, cause I think you're right that a lot of the ones that are, cause I was thinking like, the, oh, the Brennan episode. I, I love the one, the, the Harvard Yale game. That's a great one. That's another fantastic episode. Yeah. But it has, those emotional moments, major plot developments, a big reveal with, you yeah. know, Paris. And, and fun stuff with Jason and Lorelai's first date. Yeah. yeah, which is like my ideal first date. But we'll get to that later. Okay, so 9.5. I gave it an 8.5. Very high scores for this one. Segments, beauty, so many oh, looks. So many. We pretty much covered them, I think. Yeah. Oh, 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 oh. Dean. We, okay, we talked about this many episodes ago, I don't remember which one, about whether or not Dean was wearing a choker or like a puka shell. He was not. He is in this episode wearing a necklace. It's terrifying. I mean, I would call it a choker because it's not like, 
on the, like yeah it's not a long necklace but I, when i think choker i think like it's really up on the neck yeah say for guys it's it's edging into choker territory in choker territory it is not puka shells my one of my favorite things you've ever said was that dean is a walking puka shell necklace he is i stand by that Catherine. i agree i agree i wish i had made that <laughs> thank you so much yeah so he's definitely wearing a necklace hilarious yeah lorelei the only outfit that i am just like what is happening is lorelei at the end orange silk scarf over red and orange paisley shirt kind of reddish pink pants red jacket blue eyeshadow red lips oh, i think it's what makes it bad for me not like the blue eyeshadow is bad but it just doesn't like commit to the all like red and orange hues or, or you know or end it i just feel like a scarf here are my scarf rules <laughs> scarf should like bring out your features in yes. some way what is an orange scarf doing for you wow it's a good point so okay. pop culture we have a lot the cds that lane has purchased we have blondie craft work granddaddy meat puppets and of course claudine langer later she talks to and i love this this is a like wild swing beck to foo fighters to velvet underground to fugazi but in her defense, I think Lane is just trying to throw as many bands out there. This is when she's talking to Todd. Yeah. Lane likes the Foo Fighters, which I think is very odd. But I think we have to consider the moment. You pointed out to Sylvia Plath, the Unabridged Journals. And then Kilmore Girls, I think we can all agree, Rune is clearly a murderer, a time-traveling Irish murderer. Rune has killed before and will kill again. Is Rune Jack the Ripper? Who's to say? Yes. <gasps> I think he is. Yes. <laughs> Well, like, would he have the medical knowledge? But I'm willing to say sure, maybe. He would have picked it up somewhere on some sort of ship. Maybe he time-traveled to the future. <laughs> learned, <laughs> learned about Excuse how to be an amazing serial killer by watching Melissa Rosenberg's Dexter. Wow. Wow. There's layers to this, guys. Time-traveled back and became Jack the Ripper. Yeah, I think I think that's you nailed it. I would watch that show. <laughs> and that's it. That's all we got. That's all we got today. No, thanks for joining us for a really fun episode, both of the show and a fully puffed. This we had a great time. So thanks for ringing the bell with us. This was an awesome one. Thank you. Looking forward to next week. Yay! All right. <laughs>